All right, so we just really want to encourage um, us all to, to think again about those life rhythms and to take some time as well then as you're meeting with your life group to have a chat uh, about how that's going. And even if that's actually, it's not, um, that's a good place to start. But it's really important that we just encourage each other, uh, encourage each other to, to follow Jesus and to develop that devotional life that, as Al said, looks like the kind of devotional life that we see in, in the life of Jesus himself. And if he needed that in his life, then how much more do we? So um, I'm starting a series uh, called Who is the Holy Spirit? And so we're doing this actually um, here in Portadown and in Lurgan together, working through the same material. So we want to um, welcome the Holy Spirit afresh in our lives and um, into our building and into our communities. And last week we marked Easter Sunday, so our baptisms were on Easter Sunday. And from Easter Sunday to the Ascension, um, so Easter Sunday is obviously when we remember that, that Jesus rose from uh, the dead. And Ascension is when Jesus then left this earth and went up to heaven. That's 40 days from now. And having seen Jesus risen, having been taught and commissioned, Jesus commands that the disciples wait for the Holy Spirit before moving out of their seclusion with the good news of the kingdom of God. And that is really important. You, you kind of think that knowing that Jesus was the son of God, seeing him rise from the dead, being told everything that they needed to know, that they could just go, but they couldn't. Um, and that is because um, of what Jesus says here in Acts 1 verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the, day, the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority in terms of when his kingdom is going to come in its fulfillment, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Having said this, he was taken up before their eyes, uh, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So they had to wait even though it seemed like they had nearly everything, Jesus said, you don't. You can't go anywhere. You can't go and fulfill the Great Commission, which he then says, until the Holy Spirit comes. So, from Easter Sunday to Pentecost is 50 days when we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven and filling the 120 people that were in that process of waiting in the upper room. And this is the start of the relentless moving forward of the church. And so we're just going to look at that very briefly. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that we hear um, each one in our own native tongue? So then Peter gets up and he speaks 
And he explains exactly what's going on and he explains who Jesus is. And then in a few verses later, um, in verse 40, we read this. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So think for a minute about who Peter is and who he was. Think about the fact that he had denied Jesus three times. In fact, Peter was a broken man. He was in an upper room with 120 people, praying and waiting. And because of what happened, the Holy Spirit falling on them, empowering and equipping them, Peter actually stands up in public with thousands of people around him and declares who Jesus is boldly and with great articulation. The same Peter that was hiding away, that denied Jesus, that ran away, that said that he didn't know him because of what Holy Spirit was doing in and through him, it changes him. And he goes and he preaches the good news. And so if the first followers of Jesus, who were literally with him, had to wait in order to receive some help and comfort um, for their Christ-like life and mission, how much more do we? So maybe you've come here this morning and you're stressed out. Maybe you're struggling with some difficulties in life, financial difficulties, poor mental health, trauma, addiction, loss. Maybe this whole following Jesus and all of life thing seems too hard for you. Well, there's good news for you because you were never meant to do this following Jesus thing alone. You were given a family around you, and hopefully that's something that we're continuing to develop in this church. And you were given the actual spirit, the presence of God, the person of God inside of you to help you to become the person to do the things, to live the life that is impossible for you to do except with supernatural help something and someone who is more than able. The wonder of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit to be amongst us, is that that one event over 2,000 years ago is unbroken in time. Holy Spirit is with us and in us and working through us all of the time. And when we acknowledge his presence and his gifts and his help, we no longer have to settle for behavior modification. You see, what we, we tend to do as Christians, right, is that we set, we try to be good, okay? Anybody ever try to be good? We try really, really hard to be good. But the longer you try to be good, the more you realize you can't really do it. And so what we, we tend to do in the church is that we start to set the bar lower and lower and lower because we, we're um, too familiar with failure, We've tried to do things and we fail, so we start to set the bar lower and lower. We set it so low in our Christian life that we can achieve following Jesus without the Spirit's help, in, with our own effort. And you know what I'm talking about. And, and sometimes then, when we read the life of Jesus, we try to be like him, so, and that we fail. So then what we do is we reread the life of Jesus, and we go, do you know what? Jesus was amazing, but he's really an exception to the rule, isn't he? Like, we don't really have to do that. You don't really have to be like Jesus. Of course, you know, he, he is God. So, like, how can we even, like, really be like him? So, I'm just going to try and do some stuff. I'm just going to try and be slightly nicer than the average person out there, and that's me being a Christian. 
and the thing, the problem with that is that the Christian life is actually both radical and ridiculous. It really is. And it has to be. It should not make sense to the world around us. But we've reduced it to slightly above average rule keeping and being nice. It's actually about a radical Jesus-like lifestyle, including the miracle of lives transformed, of people healed, of society changed. But all these things require someone more than any of us. We aren't just minding his stuff until he gets back. That's not what this is about. Church is not some kind of glorified waiting room where we sing together weirdly because that would be really weird to do in a waiting room but sometimes that's what church feels like doesn't it it feels like a waiting room like nobody goes and just like let's go and hang out at the doctor's waiting room it's so good we just wait there for an hour and then we go home again but if if God is not here amongst us if we are just waiting for him to return if we're just minding his stuff and trying to behave until he comes back then that's all church is. It's just a waiting room. And nobody wants to be in a waiting room. But unfortunately, our churches too often feel just like that. And the reason why it's not just a waiting room is this. Because we are involved in the unbroken mission that Jesus started 2,000 years ago when he died and he rose again. That's the amazing thing that we get to be part of. And we cannot do it unless we learn how to do it with Holy Spirit. So some of us, when we talk about Holy Spirit, we have different experiences, okay? Um, we all know Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but do we really know him? And the traditional term of Holy Ghost leaves us with a weird and mystical idea of a Holy Spirit that's maybe a little more, bit more like Casper the Friendly Ghost, or even if you're old enough, Maybe I should do a show of hands. Willow the Wisp. Okay. Too many people. Too many people in here are old enough. If you're not, you can find it on YouTube. Um, but I grew up in a tradition, personally, that basically said that the Holy Spirit, in terms of how he imparts gifts and works through us, was for biblical times. Only for the establishment of the church and certainly not for today. Um, but even in, in some evangelical cir circles, often the Holy Spirit is a wee bit too mystical, a wee bit too mysterious, because we've tried to, to understand everything uh, systematically about, about God, and, and the whole Holy Spirit tends to not like um, being put into a box. He's too unpredictable. He's too undescribable for our liking. And in charismatic circles, which I moved to, I moved from a church that didn't believe in the Holy Spirit at all to a church that was very charismatic um, when I was 13. So I spent the, most of the first couple of weeks and months laughing at other people. Um, but we talked about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit more than we did the person of the Spirit. And so I'd like to su suggest at the start that we welcome Holy Spirit as a person to get to know more than a thing to be studied. Building any friendship is a lot more about getting to know someone than it is about trying to understand, categorize, and define them. 
And if you've ever had uh, done that with a friend, you will sooner or later find that your friend doesn't fit in the category or the little box that you put them in because they'll do something that you think, whoa, I thought you were like this and you did that. Um, and very often the same thing happens with God. You're like, I thought, God, you, you could only do this or that. Or you said this and that and you've done this. Like, that's weird. Sometimes we don't even recognize that it is God because he's done something that we didn't think he was allowed to do. Um, so to embrace and get to know Holy Spirit is to go on a journey of discovery about him and with him, but also to be okay with the mystery and the unknowing nature of God. See, this is actually true of human relationships, if we're really honest. There is a sense of mystery about people, about each individual, not just women, okay? Because we can never fully know someone else. And when we lose our sense of curiosity about a person, we lose the desire to get to know what we don't already know about them. So Debbie and I, Debbie is my wife, we've been married this year, it will be 25 years, and we've known each other for over 30 years, and yet our relationship continues to grow, continues to develop. We learn more about each other, but there's always part of her that I do not yet know. There's always an element of mystery that I will spend the rest of my life discovering if I am willing to do that. And that's the same with Holy Spirit, is that we get to go on a journey of discovery from what the Bible has revealed, from our, what our experience tells us, from what we see as he works and moves in and through us and, and the people around us. And as we read through different parts of the Bible, particularly the Acts of the Apostles and, and the New Testament, we cannot, cannot deny the work of the Spirit as he journeys alongside those first disciples. And in fact, J.I. Packer says this, Were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, no Christianity in the world at all. So you can't, you can't kind of go, listen, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. You have to be willing to embrace God in all of his fullness. Jesus said, actually, that it was better for his disciples that he left so that the Spirit could come and be in them, not just with them. Because what is better than God with you is God in you. So the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra for the weird and the wacky. The Spirit is the essential lifeblood of the journey of faith, both the seal guaranteeing our inheritance and the source of everyday empowerment, help and comfort that we need to navigate this increasingly crazy world. And I like to say increasingly crazy world a lot, uh, you might have noticed, um, but we live in unusual times difficult times that seem almost impossible to navigate well, to look to the future with the leading of the Holy Spirit, without the leading of the Holy Spirit, would leave me filled with dread and uncertainty. But with Holy Spirit, I am positive, I'm optimistic, because I know that God has a plan, a plan and a way through innovative solutions to the world's problems and internal perspective that makes life's pains more bearable. While Christianity seems to be in a, in a mess and Christian leadership around the world is falling apart, there is a better way forward if we can learn to follow the one 
that Jesus talks about in John chapter 3. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, um, by the way. And um, he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so Jesus describes this the sense of actually Nicodemus, who's a religious leader, who's followed all the systems and processes. He says there's more to just taking off the laws. There's a life, a, a new life that you need to live, that he uses this phrase, born again, to say it's more than the life that you have been living in the past. It's supernatural in its origin and enables you to live in a different way. And so you will be like the, the Holy Spirit, who's like the wind. He goes where he pleases. So it is with those who have been born again, who've been born of the Spirit. They, they follow a different path to the world around them. They navigate in a different way. They seem to be unusual because they're going where Holy Spirit is leading them. And uh, that's what we need to do. That's how we need to live in this crazy upside down world. Um, here's a little quote about um, the mess of the world and the work of the spirit from a guy called Oz Guinness. The story of Christian reformation, revival, and renaissance goes for three hours there. That's good alliteration. So we're doing well for any quote. Um, underscores that the darkest hour is often just before the dawn. So we should always be people of hope and prayer, not gloom and defeatism. God, the Holy Spirit, can turn the situation around in five minutes. I love that. It gives me hope for the messed up world that we're living in and the messed up world that our kids are going to live in. But I kind of think, if our kids don't learn how to live and cooperate with Holy Spirit, how are they going to figure out how to go in a world that is facing challenges that we've never had to face, that some of us will never have to face in terms of things um, like climate change and, uh, and, and war and, and tribalism and all the sorts of things that we see happening in our society. But with Holy Spirit, things can be turned around in ways that are miraculous. So Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. Something that we will look at a lot in more detail next week, but he has attributes of a person. He has a personality. He's not just a power or an energy. And so I'm trying to make the point today, maybe some of you have noticed, because I tried to do this the last time we talked on Holy Spirit, and it is difficult to drop the the of Holy Spirit, okay? So rather than saying the Holy Spirit, I'm trying as best I can to say Holy Spirit because when we put the in front of something, we can very often dehumanize. So the Holy Spirit, the poor, the whatever, we, we, we dehumanize. Um, so I'm trying not to do that. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll fail. Um, don't feel that you need to point it out when I do, okay? So Holy Spirit is God, part of the Trinity, um, and just very briefly, okay, I'm not going to get into theology of, of the Trinity, but let me just run through a few wee things to, to make it very clear here that the Holy Spirit is equal um, with God. So 
one God and, and one only, okay? He exists in three persons. They are equal and eternal. They are worthy of equal praise and worship. They are distinct yet acting in unity, constituting the one true God of the Bible. Now, as you can imagine, the early church struggled a lot with this doctrine, with this, this idea. They're trying to get their heads around it because the Bible doesn't give us a kind of, oh, here's the Trinity, it is this thing. There's a revelation throughout Scripture of the nature of God, which shows this. But they, they boiled it down to this very simple thing, that God is one in essence and three in person. So when we say um, things... So, when we say this, we mean this. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But they are not three gods, they are only one God. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, but each is God individually, and yet they are together the one true God of the Bible. The end. Okay? Really simple and straightforward, isn't it? But let me just say this, if the, the idea of the Trinity was simple and straightforward, if we fully understood the way God works in his one essence but three persons, that would make us some, somewhere close to God. And is it okay to be comfortable with mystery, with the fact that we can't really fully figure this out, but we know in so many different ways that God is God the Father, that God is Jesus the Son, that God is Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to do too much more on this, but I just want to show you a couple of statements in the Bible which shows Holy Spirit as being equal um, with God. Three very simple ones. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the Lord God is spirit, and the spirit, um, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay. Second Corinthians thirteen verse fourteen says, "May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all." So again, presenting Father, Son, Holy Spirit as being equal. And then thirdly, and probably best known to us, is in the Great Commission where Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three equal. So Holy Spirit is in the Bible throughout the whole Bible. If we think that Holy Spirit just appeared in, in Acts um, chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, then we, we've completely missed what's going on in Scripture. He is there from the very start of the biblical story, from Genesis, when we read that before creation, the Spirit hovered over the deep. He came and filled and empowered people at specific times for specific purposes in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you a couple of, uh, of my favorite examples, okay? Um, so there's a guy in, in the Old Testament called Bezalel, and his job was to basically make the, the tabernacle, the original place where God came and dwelled. And we read these really amazing words about him and about the work of Holy Spirit. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and to set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. So, Holy Spirit comes upon a man for wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and a whole range of practical skills. Isn't that amazing? So that's the Old Testament. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, which we we will do um, later on in this series, you see that these actually include the ability to make stuff. I mean, I could really do with some of that kind of Holy Spirit DIY skills um, around the house to lift my level up. But Holy Spirit breathes upon this guy enables him to make the most ornate and wonderful parts and and components for the tabernacle so that it can become an acceptable place of worship of God. So that's a person. And then uh, if you you wanted to look at at how the Holy Spirit comes upon um, the different judges in the Bible, here is my favorite one, okay? And his name is Othniel. So, Uh, It says in uh, Judges chapter 3, the spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathim, I'm going to go for, okay, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. So, Holy Spirit comes upon a man who leads God's people at a time when they were in distress to bring peace to them for 40 years. That's work of Holy Spirit. And there's loads of other examples in the judges. And by the way, um, the reason I picked this particular one is I have a first cousin called Othniel. Okay, that is his actual given birth name. He does not use it anymore. (laughs) He got to a certain, a certain age and he went with his, uh, his middle name um, from then onwards. So um, then we see Holy Spirit working through all, a lot of the different prophets because a prophet cannot prophesy unless Holy Spirit is with him. And just one example from the prophets would be Ezekiel. Um, and this is Ezekiel 2 verse 2 and it says, He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. So the empowerment of Holy Spirit actually raises Ezekiel to his feet and enables him to be a prophet to the nation. So there's a few wee just examples in the Old Testament, and then I want to take a couple of minutes just to look at the Holy Spirit and Jesus. So Holy Spirit is central to the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And we can say that Jesus was zero resistant to Holy Spirit, that he walked around in the fullness of the Spirit, that Jesus' body was the happiest place that the Spirit ever lived. At Jesus' baptism, we see him being filled. And Jesus' baptism was... So, so Jesus is actually baptized by John. And John's baptism is a baptism of repentance, But Jesus didn't have anything to repent from, okay? So Jesus' baptism is the first ever recorded baptism of somebody baptized um, in in water and the Spirit. 
in the same way that then we are baptized in water and, and baptized in, in the Spirit. Um, and, but throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see the work of Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Let me just read you a quote. It's a wee bit long um, from uh, a guy called Michael Green. And he says, Luke could hardly go to greater lengths in stressing that the age to come dawned to the kingdom come, dawned at Jesus' birth. The spirit active in the upsurge of prophecy, active in the birth of John and Jesus, rests upon Jesus, and in its power he carries out his mighty works, and after the resurrection imparts that same spirit to the disciples. From Bethlehem at the beginning of his gospel to Rome at the end of Acts. So remember that although that we're talking about Luke here, Luke wrote the, the book of Luke and the book of Acts. They're two volumes with a one story. It's a one spirit active throughout, first showing us the nature of that messianic salvation brought by Jesus and then showing us how it is spread. So... Luke 3, verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly for all, um, and all were wondering in their hearts if John might be the Messiah. This is uh, John the Baptist. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but there is one who is more powerful than me who is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus himself is baptized by John. Okay, and it's not, a, as I was saying before, a baptism of repentance. This is a baptism of water and the Spirit. When all the people were being baptized, this is from verse 21, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You're my son, whom I love. In whom I am well pleased. And so this is a wonderful picture picture of the Trinity in one story. You have Jesus um, being baptized. We have the voice of the Father and the Spirit descending upon him. And when we look through the, the next few chapters, um, we, what, we, what you see is that straight after that in Luke 4, it says Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And then um, later on in, in chapter 4, we read that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So we see the continuation of the work of the Spirit. Luke is very careful to let us see that it, Jesus' entire ministry is empowered by Holy Spirit. Um, I'm just going to skip through these to um, the next part. So, when he went to Nazareth, after he'd been tempted, it says this. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. 
the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to, saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then, so Jesus said, the spirit of God is on me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, right? He literally does that his entire rest of his earthly ministry. Having received the Holy Spirit, um, he goes and he demonstrates Holy Spirit with him and in him by healing the sick, by raising the dead, by speaking out against injustice, by um, opening blind eyes, by proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus lives out this passage in his earthly ministry. And then, at, towards the end of his earthly ministry, he uh, is going to leave his disciples. And they have been with him for three and a half years. And he says, look, guys, I know this is going to be traumatic for you. And five times in John's gospel, he tells them that you're not going to be left alone. In fact, that I'm going to continue to be with you because I'm sending, and they use this word, um, in, in the Greek, it's, it's paraclete, but it means like things like advocate or counselor. Five times he says in John's gospel, I'm not going to leave you alone. I've shown you a life lived with Holy Spirit. And when I go, I'm going to send Holy Spirit to be in you and with you. So just to finish, he says... If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is both saying that the Holy Spirit will be in you, but that I will be with you too. And um, the, the mode that the Holy Spirit chooses to operate in is actually to reveal Jesus. So, um, and I don't have time to get into this today, but we, we see throughout Scripture that Holy Spirit witnesses to the person of Jesus to the early church. And so we find ourselves... 2,000 years later in this place where the advocate, the, the Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit has chosen to live in us and through us to change and transform us. That we are involved in the continually unfolding story of what God has been doing throughout history through what he started to do differently in the, in the life and the person of Jesus, what was continued on when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost and unbroken for 2,000 years. Here we are right now, where God himself, God the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in us to empower and equip us to be involved in bringing God's kingdom, to live a life that actually looks like Jesus. And so my question to you at the start of this series is, do you want more of Holy Spirit? Do you, are you willing to embrace him and whatever that means? And if he comes in, in, the, like, in the likeness of Jesus, I think we're all okay with, with Jesus, but we think Holy Spirit is a wee bit weird. 
But if Holy Spirit comes in the mode, in the likeness of Jesus, are we okay with that? Are we okay with Holy Spirit working in and through us, changing and transforming us, enable us to do what we couldn't do in our own strength, in our own energy? Are we willing to embrace him? So why don't we stand and let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you that you're here. And wherever we're at this morning, we welcome you afresh. And we declare that we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you working in us and through us. We need you to help us do the things that we cannot do in our own strength. We need you to overcome the difficulties in our life. We need you to know what way to go on this earth, how to follow you, how to keep in step with you. And so we invite you, we say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come and have your way. May we be zero resistant to you. You come and fill us right now. Fill us with your presence, fill us with your love, fill us with a revelation of your goodness, fill us with a desire to pursue you and relationship with you right now, in Jesus' name, amen. So over the next number of weeks, we're going to be journeying uh, along um, understanding more about the Holy Spirit, how he works, how he moves, what he does. Um, and then we'll eventually get into things like the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. But unless we know the person of the Holy Spirit, it's very hard to talk about the gifts um, and the fruit. So let's continue to really journey in. I would just recommend, if you do want to read a book on this particular subject, I would recommend Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Really, really good on, on the person of the Holy Spirit. All right. Thank you.